Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Namihi nui and welcome to Our Changing World. Ko Alison Balanso. Tonight, we're heading to the tourist highlight of Milford Sound in Fiordland. But rather than gazing skywards at the lofty peaks and the tumbling waterfalls, we are going to be on our hands and knees in the damp forest, peering under some of the many boulders left behind by the glaciers. We're looking for New Zealand's most mysterious penguin, the Tawaki, or Fiordland Crested Penguin, which, by the way, also occurs on the West Coast and Stewart Island. Leading the way is penguin biologist Thomas Mattern from the Tawaki Project. He's three years into a study of Tawaki at Jackson Head in South Westland and at Harrison Cove in Milford Sound. You might be familiar with the cove. It's where the underwater observatory is located. Thomas has invited Kerry-Jane Wilson from the West Coast Penguin Trust to join him, and I tag along too, to find out what the research is revealing about the enigmatic Tawiki. Before we even get to the study site, we can see some penguins swimming nearby. So we've just come ashore in Harrison's Cove and you've already spotted a penguin? Yeah, coming out, and didn't have any suspicious backpacks on, so it's none of, none of our birds. <laughs> OK, so what's our mission for today, Thomas? We've got four loggers to retrieve, so four birds will be coming in today uh, with back- backpacks on that we want to recover with hopefully lots of good uh, data on them. And uh, we have to weigh a few chicks and measure a few adult males as well. So, yeah, we've got a good day's worth of uh, work ahead of us. It's a beautiful day in Milford Sound, though. Oh, I've never had it that hot here. <laughs> I'm, I'm melting. It's awesome. I'm not complaining. It's just uh, unusual. So, Kerry Jane, have you been here before? Never ashore, no. So, uh, what's Kerry Jane to expect then? Uh, she's going to have her mind blown when she looks at the at the nest here because uh, she's still old school penguin uh, biologist, and she reckons <laughs> that crested penguins just raise one chick. Not here. Here they raise two chicks. No, no. I've Some read. I've read all the papers, Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what I say. Uh, you got to have your mind blown, I hope. I feel like we're deep in the bush here. It's not where you really expect to find penguins. No, <laughs> if, if you look around, this is exactly the opposite of, of the penguin cliche most people have in their minds with... Uh, wide open icy areas this is as green as it can be i whenever i hike into the bush here, I, I feel the urge to hold my breath because it feels like diving 
more than than bushwalking. So um, yeah, it's yeah. If if you want all your your misconceptions of of penguins demonstrated, just come to Harrison Cove and look for the Tarawaki here. It's just amazing. Yeah, dense moist forest. These towering towering peaks around us. It must be quite a mission for the penguins to walk through this forest. I mean, it's hard enough for us with the legs that are our length. Well, I think they're a lot smaller than we are, so they don't have to uh, climb over all those tree trunks that are just blown over here, and they are just perfectly adapted for this kind of forest. I mean, they've got built-in crampons and ice axes, so they can climb rocks easy, so uh, I actually think they have it a lot easier than we do. And you try following them through the bush... You can't keep up with no, them. They aren't on you. Definitely. So you're shining your torch in, under this big rock and there's a there's beautiful another, crested adult? Yep, male uh, with his chick. Quite a big chick too. So the chick's dark grey and fluffy still? Um, yeah, and that's just uh, one of the nest that just has one chick at this stage uh, which is normal for crested penguins because they tend to lose either one egg or one of their two chicks early on in the breeding season uh, which doesn't apply to many nests here in Harrison Cove which is super unusual I don't know why it's so difficult to work with with these birds just take a look at that nest and see for yourself. Oh, that's quite a tight foot. <laughs> you can't see the birds, they're no. somewhere in there. <laughs> so there's a penguin in there, but it's way back, huh? Yeah, way back and well out of our reach. Yeah, that's what makes it really tricky to work with these, uh, with these penguins because they're so inaccessible, so secretive. Nothing like uh, emperor penguins or king penguins or any of these large colony birds that, that hang out in the open in their thousands. This penguin keeps to itself. It's the most difficult of all penguins to research. Difficult habitat, challenging, move around, nest out of sight... plan here, Thomas? Um, so we've got a nest here with a single male and a chick, which is uh, quite accessible. So what we want to do is we want to measure the head length of the chick and the weight, and then we want to repeat the process uh, in five to six days. Uh, the, the head length of the chick grows linearly, um, or, or increases linearly as it ages, whereas the, the weight depends on how much food it gets. So by um, comparing the ratio between head length and weight with other sites like Jackson Head or Codfish Island, we see how much food those uh, chicks get here. So it's sort of a simplified growth curve that we get out of that. And then we've got an um, adult male penguin with them, with a chick. Um, And we're going to deploy one of the GLS loggers that um, stay on the bird for a whole year, tiny uh, loggers that will be attached with a plastic leg ring. Um, and these things will allow us to... Yeah, we're going to get to you. Um, These things will allow us to to track where the bird is going after breeding and uh, over the winter. 
So GLE stands for what? Uh, it's the geolocation system. Um, it's basically a fancy word for using uh, sunrise and sunset times to roughly detect uh, a geographic position. So uh, it's a fairly basic uh, method and has quite an error bar to it. So the accuracy can be somewhere between 50 and 500 kilometers. Uh, but uh, it'll give you a rough idea where they it, go. It'll give us a, a rough, rough idea. And I mean, these birds travel thousands of kilometers over the winter, so that you know, if we have an error of 50, 50k, well, <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> so, what do you know about where they go? Where have previous birds gone? Uh, this is the first time that, that this kind of research is uh, being done and uh, we have no idea where they go over the winter. Last year, last year we put satellite tags on um, 20 birds from Gorge River up the west coast uh, during the pre-mold, that is the, the period after breeding before the birds return to shed their feathers. And uh, we found... We've got noisy neighbours here. Um, and we found that the Tawaki, compared to all other crested penguins, uh, traveled the greatest distance during the so-called pre-mold period, uh, which is really fascinating, considering that they're also one of the smallest crested penguin species. And, yeah, they're just uh, a super crested bird. Right, let's go to it. Ouch! Do we number? So that's the dad. That's the dad. Ooh. You all right there? Yeah, I'm good. I'm just covered in penguin too, but it all comes with a job. Yuck. No, I think you missed him. They're just slipping a bag over its head just to keep it calm in the dark. Point six five. That's a small male. So 2.65 kilos. Yep. And your comment was a small male? Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually uh, males are around three kilos. But, yeah, it's... So do the males always do the incubating during the day? They have a very weird pattern, um, crested penguins in general. The males um, incubate the eggs for two weeks, then the females incubate the eggs for two weeks, then the, the chicks hatch, and then the males take over again and uh, stay with the chicks until they're old enough to be left alone. So um, this, this fellow has been on land for, I'd say, roughly four weeks. So, of course, he loses a lot of weight during that time. So. And so the female, meanwhile, goes out to sea, gets yeah. fish, comes back, feeds the chick, goes out to sea again? Exactly. So, and, and she's the only one um, that feeds the chicks during that time, which is really weird. But all crested penguins do that. What did I say? Six, five, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we also collect feather samples and blood samples so that Jeff can do a stable isotope analysis, which is basically you look at the molecular structure of feathers or, uh, or the blood composition, and that tells us roughly what sort of food they were eating, which sort of level in the food web um, they occupy. And um, so that way um, it's, a, it's a fairly easy way to get an idea about their prey. He's 59, and Thomas is looking very happy, and Kerry Jane is peering under the, in under the rock with a torch. 
she's got to see two large chicks. Now this shouldn't happen. I've read all the papers. I've read your chapter. <laughs> Sorry, I was wrong. I've read everything that tells me that this shouldn't happen. This is wonderful. This is fantastic. So the crested penguin rule is lay two eggs, produce one chick. Yeah. Pretty much, except for Tawaki. That's one of the great mysteries in, in penguin science, why crested penguins always lay two eggs, but almost always just raise one chick. And if there are many theories, but we really don't have an explanation for that. Um, the other interesting thing about that is that they lay uh, two different sized eggs, so it's always one smaller and one larger chick. And usually the, the smaller chick is the one that you know gets expelled or rolls out of the nest, or uh, if it hatches, the, the chick is significantly smaller than, than the chick that hatches from the other egg and usually dies within a few days. And up until this day, we don't know how this could evolve or what, what's the meaning of this. Obviously under very good circumstances. And they can raise both chicks. But then again, uh, we should also add that in fjordland penguins, the size difference between the eggs is relatively small compared to, for example, erect crested penguins. So the Tawaki might have some new information for us that might help us to understand what the brood reduction is about. So... That's what makes it so it's exciting that they are able to raise two chicks because they're sort of the missing link, perhaps, in the, in the whole string of arguments there. So this year, how many nests have you, are you looking at in here? Uh, around about 20 we've got here. And how many of those have two chicks? Last time, uh, Robin checked about half still had two chicks. So we, it's not just one or two random birds? It's no, no, it's, it's, uh, it's an exceptional year. Uh, the first year, two years ago, when we were here, we had three nests that raised both chicks to, to crashing, which is when you lose track of them because they disappear into the bush. But usually uh, chicks that, that reach the crashing stage uh, have a very high chance of survival. Last year was more or less a normal year because every nest just raised one chick, or every nest we, we looked at anyhow. And this year, almost half of, of the nests have two chicks, so uh, seems to be a very good year for them. In Harrison Cove or in Milford Sound, they either have good years or very good years, <laughs> which is very encouraging. Whereas you have another study site at Jackson Bay in South Westland. How do you describe its breeding seasons in the last couple of years? Uh, they are the polar opposite to what we had here. Two years ago, um, we had this really strong El Nino, and it showed with almost all of the chicks dying of starvation because the females had to travel up to 120 kilometres away um, to find food. And last year, when, when the foraging conditions were better, we had the stoat invasion, uh, where stoats killed almost all of the chicks. And so Jackson had had two really bad breeding seasons in a row. So this year's looking a bit better? At Jackson Head, yeah. Yeah, but still really bad compared to Milford Sound, that's for sure. It's late afternoon in Milford Sound, and Thomas has now checked all his study nests. He's attached GLS locator tags to two Tawiki to follow them for the next few months. But he hasn't found any of the four birds carrying the more precise GPS tags which he wants to get back. We all relocate to the beach to scan for penguins coming back to their nests. So Kerry Jane, I'm back down at the shore with you. You've been on penguin watch for the last hour or so. What have you seen? Well, lots of penguins, but none with our... Uh backpack 
are GPS transmitters. Oh, darn. So those are quite big and colourful, aren't they? So that you well, can see I'm them hoping from a distance. so, yes. <laughs> Um, so were I've the penguins going in or coming out? What were they doing? Both, mostly coming in at the moment. There's two just on their way in at the moment. Uh, neither of them have backpacks on. So you're just staying out of sight so you don't scare them? Yes, yeah. So chosen a spot with a good view of the, of the bay. Any drawbacks to it? Yeah, sand flies. <laughs> Thousands of them. I know what you mean. I'm <laughs> brushing them away as I'm standing here holding the microphones. Yes, yeah, so am I. <laughs> so Tawaki, the Fiordland crested penguin, is one of how many crested penguins here in New Zealand? Four. There's Tawaki, the Snares crested penguin, the erect crested, and those are all endemic species. So found only here? Only in New Zealand, yeah. And then in addition to that, there's the rockhopper penguin. And that's found on quite a few different islands. And here on mainland New Zealand, we've got, what, three species of penguin all up? Three or four. Okay, (laughs) we've got the Fiordland penguin, the Tawaki, and the yellow-eyed penguin in Otago and Stewart Island. And then the little penguin or the blue penguin. And it's found around much of New Zealand, um, not so much in Fiordland here. But there is dispute over quite how many species we have, whether it's one or whether it's two. Oh, that's right. There's this recent evidence that the Otago ones are, are Australian ones. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny come lately. <laughs> so if we accept the, uh, cu- the current view, we have a New Zealand penguin that's found around... Almost all of New Zealand, except Otago. And then there's the Australian penguin, which is found right across southern Australia from Sydney all the way to just south of Perth, around the bottom of Australia, and also in Otago. That's a grumpy bird. So we've been sitting here with baited birds, Thomas, and the birds came up on your side of the beach. Yeah, and not only that, she came with a whole group of birds, which makes life a lot diff- more difficult. But you've got her. Yeah. What do you have to do to take it off? Um, I mean, the, the whole device is just attached with, with industrial um, cloth tape. You know, we just peel the tape off, first the device, and then we peel it off the feathers. And then she's as good as new. So, Thomas, you've been sitting in a slightly different place. You're seeing some different birds than we were coming ashore. How many have you seen? Six so far. And one was just enormous. She was rather rotund. She was full to the brim with food, uh, for sure. She could hardly walk. She reminded me of Mr. Creosa from Monty Python's (laughs) uh, Meaning of Life. It's just, wow, ridiculous how much food she had in her stomach. What do you think they're feeding on? Do you know? I've seen penguins in that shape on the snares, and they were just full of krill. Either it's fish larvae or krill, that would be my guess. Something small and uh, very abundant. Yeah, it looks like a very, very good season in here this year. So what have the GPS loggers that you've deployed told you about where these birds are going at this time of the year when they're feeding chicks? How far are they going? 
Well, the the penguins from from Harrison Cove they mainly stay within the fjord and. In some years, the first year, for example, they just stayed within Harrison Cove, so you could see them foraging from here all day long, which was really <laughs> weird. At Jackson had data indicate that they travel much greater distances, uh, particularly when, when the um, environmental conditions aren't in their favor, like during an El Nino. But they travel between 20 and 50 kilometers away from, from their breeding colonies. But these guys, they have it easy. How deep do they dive? The deepest dive we recorded here in Milford Sound was 88 metres. The deepest dive out of Jackson Head was 98 metres. But are they going down to 80 metres here often, or are they no, feeding no. much more shallow than that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the majority of the dives are uh, in the upper 20 metres. Um, that's where it's, everything is clearly visible and where there's the most light. At 80 metres, it's pitch black, so I don't know what they did down there. Maybe they, they like the darkness. Um, but, yeah, no, most of the dives here go to 20 meters and compared to that at Jackson Head they are usually around 40-50 meters depth so um, they dive dive deeper they forage further away you know if if you ask me they have to work a lot harder to, to find their food um, on the west coast So how many Tawaki in total are there do you think? We were at the, we, we formed the IUCN workshop workshop at the last Penguin Conference and we collated all the available data and concluded that there were between 5,500 to 7,000 penguins. But whether that's the true number, I don't know. Um, that was before we did um, the survey here in Milford Sound. So into this total count, um, we, we added the nine official on record, officially on record for, for Milford Sound. We've got 150 here now. Uh, so I think just from a gut feeling, I'd say we probably are more likely to have between 15 and 25,000 animals, but official figures, 5,500 to 7,000 birds. So they're in the southern bit of the west coast, round to Fiordland, mm -hmm. and then Stewart Island and, and some of the islands off there. Yeah, Stewart Island, they're quite prominent on, on around the Anglum coast. Uh, where all the yellow-eyed penguins are disappearing, uh, the Tawaki seem to be increasing in numbers. Yeah, there, there were even breeding attempts in the Catlins recently, so it could well be that they're also expanding their range. Who knows? We, we just ha don't have enough data to say any, any of that with, with certainty. But so far, all the indications uh, seem to point at uh, a healthy population that's doing quite well. Which is nice for a change. <laughs> we finally call it quits at the beach. Thomas has got three loggers back. It's pitch dark and the penguins are all home for the night. Before we hit our beds, Thomas downloads the data to see where the tawiki went. One logger unfortunately doesn't work, but he has better luck with the other two. Ooh. He has a map on the computer. And it predictably stayed within Milford Sound. Oh, it spent quite some time just outside Harrison Cove, halfway between Harrison Cove and Mitre Peak. So our bird stayed within three kilometers of home all the time. Four days, mm -hmm. three kilometers. And so it would have been going back to the nest each night, going out to feed during the day? Mm-hmm, yep. 
If you ask me, compared to all other Tawaki, it's a very lazy creature, just judging by the foraging ranges. But, I mean, on the other hand, these birds were heavy, 3.3 kilograms for a female that weighed 2.9 when, when she was uh, fitted with the logger. So she had at least 400 grams of food in her, in her stomach. It's not bad. I couldn't do that. So, yeah, they're very successful with the very short ranges. Very cool. Let's have a look at the other one. And, and this one was a bit of an explorer and went all the way past, what's it called, Dassen Point. So right out to the mouth of the fjord. Right out to the mouth of the fjord um, and spent some time uh, in an area that is known as Moraine, where we have one of the um, largest breeding colonies, but not in, on land, but rather in the water. And also it, it seems as if it spent some extensive periods just drifting at the surface here. So, um, yeah, a bit more of an explorer, but still furthest distance from home was a whopping nine kilometres. So is there any evidence that any of these birds go out of the fjord during the breeding season? Yes. One of the first four birds we deployed a logger on went out and stayed overnight uh, outside the fjord about 20 k's offshore. That's the only record we have so far. Um, that's our third year here in Milford Sound. We've got data from roughly, I'd say, 30, 32 birds now, and they all stay in the, in the fjord. Uh, no matter whether, whether they've got small chicks or uh, the chicks have entered the crashing stage when you know they, are, they, they don't need to be fed every day, but still the parents probably do that because they just stay in the fjord. They can come home every, every evening at Jackson Head. Once the chicks start crashing, the birds stay out for two to three days. So this must be Tawaki paradise. To, to be quite honest, I, I seriously consider uh, calling him Fjordland penguin again because this seems to be a species that just does so well in Fjordland, it belongs here. Now, nah, it's going to be Tawaki. Thanks, Thomas. That was Tawaki biologist Thomas Matern from the Tawaki Project. And we also heard Kerry Jane Wilson from the West Coast Penguin Trust. And that's all we've got time for tonight. But you can listen again and find links to some of the recent research that Thomas has been involved in, which shows that yellow-eyed penguins, or hoihu, are drowning in commercial set nets at our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash ourchangingworld. While you're there, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter and check out some of the other RNZ offerings on this series and podcast page. We're available as a podcast at Spotify, Stitcher, Radio Public and iTunes and, of course, on the RNZ app. Thanks, as always, for your company. But for now, it's good night from me, Alison Balance, Paul Marie. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.